Welcome back to the Brady Farkas Show right here, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Radio Row at home, we continue on bringing you the Radio Row experience from the confines of our own studios. Very, very excited for our next guest. He's a well-renowned author and reporter. Jeff Benedict is his name. He wrote the book on the Patriots called The Dynasty that came out in the back half of 2020. Jeff, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I've heard great things about this book. I have the copy. It just got here, so I'm going to read it myself. But uh, the Patriots dynasty has been written on a lot. Ian O'Connor did a book. Michael Holly did a book. Why did you want to jump in and, and bring us a story that has been reported on a lot? Well, um, you know, Ian wrote, uh, actually didn't write about the dynasty. Ian wrote a, a great biography about Bill Belichick. And Michael Holly, who's actually a good friend of mine, um, has written three books about the yeah. Patriots over the years. Um, <clears throat> but those focus on different periods in the in the dynasty. What I wanted to do was tell uh, basically, basically, I, I am a biographer. And in this case, I wanted to write a biography instead of about a, a, a person, which is what we normally do. Yeah. This is a biography about a franchise, an organization from beginning to end. And so uh, it's it's different than what Michael set out to do. I, I thoroughly enjoyed each of Michael's books and Ian's book about Coach Belichick. But the dynasty is really a story about how is this thing built and then how is it sustained for so much longer than any of its predecessors? We've had a few other dynasties in the NFL, the Packers in the 60s, the Steelers in the 70s, the 49ers in the uh, 80s and into the very early 90s. But None of those dynasties had the staying power of the Patriots. And so I, I really set out to just understand how that happened, why it happened, and then and basically tell that story from inside the organization as opposed to as an outsider. You know, a lot of the great feedback I've read about your book does focus on the, the early portions, even pre-Brady and pre-Belichick. So take me back to what it was like, you know, finding out the details on Robert Kraft buying the team and even being able to keep it in New England. Well, my answer to that would actually also, you know, pivot from your first question about mm. why do the book that I did. If you think about the prior books that have been written about uh, portions of the Patriots history, none of them have focused on the Kraft family at all. Um, there have been multiple books done about Belichick and Brady, um, good ones, in fact, but no one's really looked at the ownership part of this. And I, I saw this as real fertile ground that hadn't been plowed by other journalists. And so foundationally, I think in order to understand what happened post 2000, when Brady and Belichick finally arrive in Foxborough, you really have to go back and look at all the groundwork that was laid before they got there, starting with this 15 year odyssey that Robert Kraft went on just to get the team. That alone is, is the stuff of Hollywood movies. I mean, it's the, all the political machinations, the money, the the competing with other millionaires and billionaires who were trying to get their hooks into this team, that whole process. And then there's the great uh, the great odyssey that Kraft goes on with Bill Parcells, um, yeah. which is this. It's the predicate to to Belichick, really. But it's such great stuff because there was um, great drama in that relationship between Kraft and Parcells, without which we wouldn't have the, the great story that we have today. So while it was surely unpleasant for both men while they were going through it in the in the 90s, um, 
I think it's without that uh, toxicity and drama, you wouldn't have the greatness that came out of it. And I think that Parcells also plays a key role in the arrival of Belichick. I mean, let's face it, after all, it was Parcells who persuaded Kraft to fly out to Indianapolis in 1996 to try to convince Belichick not to go to Miami as Jimmy Johnson's defensive coordinator and instead to come to New England as an assistant coach after he'd been fired in Cleveland. That single move was monumental in terms of the history and future of the organization. Jeff Benedict, author of The Dynasty About the Patriots here on your home for Patriots football, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, and I'm a Patriots fan by work, right? I didn't grow up a Patriots fan. So learning this is kind of new to me also. But the famous quote from Parcells is that they want you to cook the meal. They might as well let you buy the groceries. So it seems like Parcells wanted control that he wasn't being given. Well, Belichick seems to have a whole lot of control. So does Robert Kraft deserve a lot of credit for his own personal growth in ceding some of that control as he got older? You know, I, that that obviously is the most famous quote attributed to Parcells in his tenure in New England. I will tell you that there are much better quotes hmm. in the book from Parcells than that one. Okay. I mean, he is a quote machine. And uh, some of the behind the scenes they're not even conversations, they're fights uh, mm. that he has with the crafts and with others in the organization. Um, I think really shed a lot of light on, on that relationship. But yes, uh, I do think that you, you, you honed in on something that's really important is that there was a, a tug of war between Kraft and Parcells over control, partly because when Kraft arrived, it's, it's important to remember historically where the NFL was in 1994. Uh -huh. There were two brand new things, brand new. One was free agency and the other was a salary cap. Neither of those existed huh. in the world that Bill Parcells grew up in in the NFL. But when, when Kraft buys the team, one of the reasons he was attracted to buying when he did was because he knew those two things were coming and he also knew that they provided great business opportunities for him to, to do things in New England with this team. And I think what's interesting is you see a clash in cultures. Parcells is the old guard of the NFL. Kraft represents the new guard. Um, at the time, he was an unproven owner. Parcells was a proven coach. And that's this, this great colossal collision that's happening in Foxborough. And it was over control. And I think one of the things that comes out of that is by the time uh, Kraft hires Belichick, he was comfortable giving Belichick uh, much more latitude and discretion to run the football side of the operation than he was in giving it to, to um, Parcells. And one of the reasons is because Belichick had demonstrated a mastery of the salary cap and a mastery of free agency. And he, you know, he proved that out in his 20 years as head coach. You know, one of the things I'm excited to read about, I think it was Peter King who referenced this angle of the book, is uh, just how dire it got for Drew Bledsoe there for a bit, um, health-wise. So we know he gets hurt, hurt enough to miss most of the season, but he comes back and plays. And because he had a fruitful career after New England, I think we all just assumed it was a season-long injury, and that was kind of it. But your book's going to tell us the story of it got very dire there for Bledsoe while he was in the hospital. 
Yeah, I chose to open the book in the emergency room with a surgeon leaning over Drew. Wow. And making an incision in his chest um, uh, hours after the hit from Mo Lewis. Uh, the reason I opened there was a couple of things, but one of which is that medically, I think no, no one really had an has had an appreciation for just how close Bledsoe came to losing his life that night wow. uh, in Foxborough. I was fortunate enough to interview the surgeon who operated on Drew that night. Uh, he was a great interview. He's never done an interview before about that. And the only reason he agreed to interview with me was because uh, Drew Bledsoe gave him authorization to do so. Uh, so he didn't violate any any uh, any laws by talking to me. He had the permission from Drew. But the other reason I opened there was because there's something very dramatic that happens that night in the hospital at Mass General after the, the surgeon was successful in stopping the internal bleeding that was causing Drew's lungs to fill up with blood is that when he finally came to in the emergency room, which was somewhere around midnight that night, mm. this was a late afternoon game against yep. the Jets, first game after 9-11. And um, <clears throat> when Bledsoe came to, uh, as you would expect, his wife Mora was seated to his right in the hospital and in fact, doing what you would expect uh, her to do. She was holding his hand. She was anxious. She was waiting for him to wake up. Um, that's the expected part. What was unexpected was that when Drew looked up to his left, um, imagine now he's, he's lying on a hospital bed. So he's looking up to his left. And there were three people standing over the bed on the other side. And that was in this order. Uh, owner Robert Kraft, Coach Belichick, and Tommy. Hmm. And uh, Drew did not expect those three people to be in the hospital when he woke up. And he's all groggy. You know, he's he's been under the influence of medication in the in the ER and all that. So you can you can sort of picture if you've ever been you know in a hospital in a procedure when you first come to, you're not all with it anyways. And seeing those three faces there. Um, was very dramatic. And it's important because you think about that moment in time. At that point, Robert Kraft was an owner that had never won anything. Bill Belichick had a career losing record. Yeah, You know, his record in Cleveland was bad. And his record in New England for the first season was five and 11. Yeah. And, uh, and now he starts out the new season with losses. And then you got Brady, who's never started an NFL game, standing there. No one would imagine in that moment that what Drew was looking up at was the nucleus of the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. And that's why I chose to open in the hospital, because to me, that moment is the moment. In terms of giving birth to what we saw happen in the last 20 years in New England, that's the moment. I'll get you out of here on this. We're pressed for time. I've heard Bledsoe do countless interviews over the years. He seems to be um, great friends with Brady and have a great respect for the Patriots. How long do you think it took him to get there mentally? Because I could understand, you know, there being some resentment at being pushed aside for a guy who hadn't accomplished much at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good question. And I think the way I would answer it, let me just say two things really quickly. First off, uh, one of the things I enjoyed most about writing this book is the interaction with all these guys. 
uh, all these people. And, and it's not just the guys. Like I interviewed wives when I could. Like mm-hmm. I, I interviewed Drew's wife, Maura, multiple times. Um, there's an, the reason there's an intimacy to a lot of the scenes in this book was because I, I did a lot of interviews in, in these guys' homes and in, in places where they felt comfortable getting into some of the more intimate moments in this story. This is a family story when you get right down to it. And, uh, and I think Drew is an uncommon individual, as is his wife, Maura. Uh, wonderful people. I mean, Robert Kraft's been blessed to have personnel come through New England who are just really high caliber human beings. Yeah. A lot of the players who have funneled through on these rosters are the kind of people you'd want to live next door to. <laughs> and, and that's a great thing to be able to say. And so with respect to your question about Drew, let's face it, most we're all human. Most people probably would never have gotten where Drew got with regard to Tom and the organization. Um, but Drew, uh, I think, is the ultimate example of someone who put team first. And uh, he, he, gets, he doesn't get enough credit for the way he acted in 2001 as a guy who was standing on the sideline ho- holding a clipboard. I mean, think about it. The highest paid player in the NFL that year was holding a clipboard. Wow. There just aren't many guys in the NFL that could get their ego properly adjusted to do what Drew did. And I think it just speaks a lot about his character and his wife's character, by the way, uh, for how he and, and interacted and treated Brady. Um, and it's, it, it also speaks to Kraft and the way he has maintained relations over the years with all of these players, uh, many of whom have left the organization initially unhappy. Lawyer Malloy, Ty yeah. Law, Adam Vinatieri. I mean, you can just go down the line. Many of the Patriot greats left, you know, not in the best way. But if you look at those rosters, at, at those old rosters with all those great players, basically to a man, those guys are all on great terms with the Kraft family today. That just says a lot about Robert Kraft and how he how he treats the personnel that work for him. Jeff Benedict, the book is The Dynasty. He's the author. It's gotten great reviews from all sectors. Our guy Bob Sosi, Pat's broadcaster, loved it and uh, talked it up during our talks with him weekly during the season. Jeff, I can't wait to get my uh, my fingers on it. It's on my desk right now. I'm going to go read it here at some point over this weekend, I think. So, Jeff, I appreciate your time. Best of luck, continued success, and we look forward to your next work. All right. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the uh, Super Bowl this weekend.